Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host and uh, quite a lot to talk about this week, I think it's fair to say, two specific subjects in particular. First of all, I'll introduce my guests, I've got Jez and I've got Phil with me. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Hello. I've just whacked my knee into the desk, which is uh, seemingly uh, a good place to start in terms of uh, pain. It's been pain for PSG. Um, I will start by saying that since we podcasted last, they opened their season up. Um, they went away to Lens and they lost 1-0. Now, normally you'd say, wow, that's an incredible result. I mean, it is in, in truth, but there were some extenuating circumstances. PSG's lineup in particular was extremely weakened by their lack of players due to the... still had eight full senior internationals with 150 plus caps between This is true, although I'm not sure you can count Draxler in that, but more on him later. Well, he Uh, didn't start. But uh, yes, they had a weakened side, um, but uh, Galago's goal getting the winner for for Lons. They still heavily dominated the game, heavy possession, but just had no... Uh, sort of killer touch, no uh, no ability to, to finish in the final third and ultimately lost that game. And then and just has to be said, if you look at the goal, one, oh, of, yeah. the, one of the, um, shall we say, B-team starters was the goalkeeper, Bulker, because of the whole uh, Rico contract fuck-up that they went through. And that was not his finest moment, I no, think. I, I, I will it go was... with the calling. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Horrible. I mean, even... I felt very sorry for him. Yeah, he's a young lad making his way, but but a goalkeeper at any level. I mean, I'd be livid if if a Sunday league keeper did that personally. I mean, it, it's just the most everything about it technically and and just the horrid. Um, but that, as I say, take nothing away from Lons. Uh, but as begrudging as that is for me to say this week of all weekends. But um, yeah, they they fully deserved it, and and they look aside that potentially could have a decent season in terms of being safe and, and securing their place in the year. Uh, I guess time will tell. But uh, yeah, we can't get away from the fact that PSG were very much in the focus then as they went into the weekend's action. And we'll come on to the rest of the games in a moment. But we will start with Le Classique in terms of the Sunday evening game. Um, my kind of take on it, or the French term I saw, uh, dubbed on one particular website was uh, La Classique, quel spectacle de merde, which uh, loosely translated is the classic water shit show. Um, and I thought that was quite apt. Uh, let's start with you, Phil, then. I mean, it was a 1 0 win for, for Marseille, which in itself is, is huge. First time in 10 years, I believe. Florian Tovan with a, I actually thought, a very underrated finish, albeit horrendous marking from yep. PSG, who had a stronger, if not full strength side, Neymar and Di Maria were back on them later but before we go into everything that went on towards the end of the game how much does this result mean in terms of PSG and and in terms of Marseille which we can't leave them out of this argument well I think um I look at you talk about the team selection but um OM had been chuckling about Mbappe won't be there for a while and then you saw their front three was going to be it looked like they were going to have Lopez up front and it was like Hang on, what? Uh, it turned out not to be quite like that, but it was a bit of an odd setup. They had sort of Payet and Tovan as the front two, both quite sideways, and Lopez milling around behind them. So they didn't really have uh, a recognised striker in a way either. 
But as you say, I think the Tavan goal, it was a great finish, but yeah, the back four fucked up quite badly there. Um, it was Florenzi's debut. Uh, they had Kara uh, Kimpembe as the, the, the central defenders, which has been a bit of an uh, upgrade on what they played against Lance, where Kazawa was playing in central defence, which I didn't know was a thing. So there was that, but you say what happened late on. There was a large argument um, not long after the goal, and one pretty much on the stroke of hard time. Things were feisty, and by feisty I mean quite violent uh, from early doors. And the number of bookings that went down, you could see this was rapidly getting out of control and the referee was rapidly losing control of what was going on. And one thing I felt was watching all of this stuff and all the chaos and the disallowed goals and the all of the messing around and the fighting and the handbags and the swearing and the yelling and the pointing of fingers and stuff. There was a lot going on, but it was actually very difficult to work out what the football was like because there wasn't an awful lot of it. And I think, I think it was Jez who said that Marseille played it perfectly. They annoyed PSG so much to the point they stopped playing football. I think it, it was actually quite difficult to watch from a tactical perspective because I couldn't really see much tactic tacticking if you see what I mean so it was an odd game I mean it was hilarious it was great fun to watch it was total chaos but I'm not sure you can learn anything about tactical setups or anything like that you can maybe just learn something about the characters of the teams and what the hell that was I also don't know because a lot of that's still up in the air so yeah it was not a footballing masterclass, shall we say, but it was a highly enjoyable way to spend uh, an evening watching football. Yeah, yeah, I think some, some interesting points on, on the tactics side of things as well. Jess, what, what was your overall thoughts on it? I saw you you were sort of tweeting along as I was during the game and, and it, it just seemed to just go from naught to 70 in, in three minutes. I mean, PSG were, were very much on top in terms of possession and they looked to be the most threatening side. Um, Mandonda, has to be said, made two uh, fantastic saves. The first one in particular was reminded me of David Seaman against Sheffield United all those years ago. It seemed to be behind him and he clawed it out in the very first minutes. I mean, this game could have gone very differently. But I felt that once Marseille scored, PSG almost did that stroppy teenager thing. It's like, oh, well, well, that, well that's not fair. But no, we can't have this. And, uh, and they just... It all just seemed to be get, get the ball to Neymar, hope for the best, and nothing came about. What, what was your kind of view on, in particular, PSG's approach to to the game and, and having been behind, how they reacted to that? Um, yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, first of all, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was an absolute disgrace, and, and considering that Lyon PSG had good Champions League runs, and this was a sort of marquee match with a lot of. Um, other leagues haven't yet started and you know I think it would have been a good advert and it was a good chance for maybe a lot of people who don't necessarily dip into Ligue 1 to have a look at it and I doubt they'll bother again Um, I think it sort of started even before the match you've got Pyatt well obviously the I guess arguably from the Champions League final and the Marseille fans sort of partying because PSG didn't win it which I mean Okay, be pleased they didn't win, but going out and arranging fireworks parties seems a little bit extreme. And then Tuchel sort of ramped it up by 
basically saying that, you know, that's what fans do when they've got nothing of their own to celebrate. And then you've got Payet, who strikes me, to be honest, as arguably even more of a dick than Neymar or Di Maria, who's been goading PSG for weeks, which is funny because when he was, I think, at maybe Saint-Étienne, he went on strike to try to join PSG. Um, but so there was lots of sort of nastiness in the lead up to it. Then in terms of the match, I mean, to be fair, I think there's two ways of looking at it. PSG were the only team who tried to play football. But the fact is Marseille scored a perfectly good goal, had a, frankly a perfectly good second goal disallowed as well. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think, I mean, Phil's right in the sense that there was so little actual football played that you can't talk tactically. But I think Villas-Boas did tactically play it very well. Um, you know, I think this was the match that Marseille basically threw last year. Um, I, yeah, was the, this the, uh, the first game ever where they didn't have a shot on target? Or was that the season before? I'm not sure. I don't well, know. A shot. <laughs> I think they definitely played. I think it was what, Garcia's first game. Heavily defensive, wasn't it? Yeah, there and they one, didn't have was a the single one where shot. PSG was sort of up quite early on and sort of, I think, went easy on Marseille. <laughs> it could have been sort of six or seven. Yeah, no. um, but, I, it, I mean, from the starting lineup, and like you said, with Lopez there, um, it looked like he was going to throw the game again. But I, I guess it was the same principle. Try to get a goal and then keep it tight. Mm. But what, what I think they did brilliantly tactically was clearly this PSG team, mainly Neymar, but I think there's a few in that team, um, when they get a little bit riled, they completely forget to try to play football. And I think that very much happens with Neymar. And I think there was a lot of nastiness from minute one on both sides, but Marseille kept their heads a lot better than PSG. Mm. And so, yeah, after the... I mean, there were still two or three chances after the goal, but... Essentially, at some point, it degenerated into a fight. There was very little football played on either side. And seeing as Marseille had that lead, it suited them perfectly well to, to make sure it stayed that way. Yeah. yeah. Do you think they get enough credit for Marseille? Because, I mean, I, I just felt like V.S. Boas is there's sort of a, a bit of an aura around him in terms of what he's done at Marseille, having sort of literally been a, what was he, he was a rally driver, wasn't he, for about eight months and seemingly have dropped off the radar. I, I thought he got it pretty well. As Jess said, there wasn't a lot of football played, but he played directly into PSG's weaknesses in terms of, as Jess said there, once once they got the goal and, and PSG got frustrated, they just they just stopped playing football. You know, and there was nothing they could do to break down a stubborn Marseille side, albeit a side that were very cleverly tactically fouling, I thought. Mm, I, I, I think it's it's kind of a mix when you look at the kind of the first arguments that happened in the first half. It was clear that Alvaro was pissing off Neymar for whatever reason we may come on to later. The extra time punch up was basically Neymar pushed Alvaro over. Paredes and Benedetto have been having have been clashing all over the place since they'd both come on. Paredes had got booked within a minute of coming on. Uh, for, for PSG, Benedetto coming on meant that OM did actually have a striker and the two of them were rolling around all over the middle of the park and it was that that then 
descended into, I think we should, just in case anybody didn't see the match, confirm what actually happened, which was ended up with, I think, 13 bookings and five red cards. Yeah. Um, Including depends how you count the bookings, but well, yeah, yeah. because yeah. is it 12, 14, 15? But Kazawa, Amavi, Paredes, Benedetta, we discussed their fights, and Neymar. Um, some second yellows in there, some straight reds for just this kind of brawl that broke out, um, uh, at the end. And I think the referee. As we, I think all of us were saying, he'd lost control of the game way earlier than that when he started dealing out how many was it four yellows in the first twelve minutes or something. You know, he's not going to be able to keep this, uh, you know, standard up, or we're going to be in trouble. And then there were things like you know the Benedetto um, goal, which, as as Jess has said, looked perfectly sound, and there was pretty much uh, consensus on Twitter that it looked perfectly sound. And I think that Leonardo actually said that after the match as well, because he was gunning for the referee in a big way. And they since admitted uh, that it was it yeah. as well. And so, yeah. the booking of uh, Papagay as well seemed bizarre. That was a beautiful tackle he put in and he got booked for it. So there was a lot of stuff going wrong. And you, there was just this, uh, in a sense, in this kind of febrile atmosphere, you need a referee who's going to be a calm and cool head who's going to not stand for any messing around and this guy unfortunately didn't seem to be up to the the job and everything it was going to be a tough job anyway but not having anybody in control seemed to make it even more likely that this is going to degenerate but even I was was surprised by the scale of the degeneration that hit in in um, added time. Yeah, as Jerome Brissard was the referee, I, I was a bit surprised to, to see that Turpan was not given this. I presume there's a reason for it, and I guess at some point you have to give younger referees games. I, somebody made the point, one of the PSG staff maybe, or was it a, a pundit, he said he'd only done one Europa League game, and that was his biggest game to date or something. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough one, because if a young referee comes in and does a great job, then and nobody says anything about refereeing at all, but as you said, Phil, four bookings in the first 12 minutes, you just thought, mm, this is only going to go one way. Jez, you, you touched on the fact that, that this, you know, this was a bit, bit of a disgrace. Now, I don't know where I sit on this. I completely agree the last, the, the last few minutes, you know, when you, when you had Kazawa literally sort of flying, kicking Amavi and Amavi kicking out in return. Um, the, the, the Neymar stuff, I mean, obviously, it's still ongoing. There's discussions going to be held apparently tonight by the, the, the French sort of football federation to, to look into what's gone on here and, and try to establish who gets what done to them, so to speak. We had Di Maria, who's now been clearly identified as spitting in Navarro's direction. Whether it hit him or not is quite frankly relevant, and the fact that he was one of the people tested positive for yeah. COVID is, is just plain stupid. And for a player who you know has been wonderful for 18 months, it's just so silly. Um, where where do you stand on, on the fallout of this, Jess, in terms of what sort of bands are we going to see? How, how does this affect? I mean, PSG have got a game against, um, you know, world world superstars in Mets tonight. Of course, I'm slightly tongue-in-cheek there. But, you know, Mets have got a real chance in, in terms of upsetting Don't the they? apple cart here. Well, they have. Come on. Give them, well, give them again, a PSG, like, like Phil said, PSG are playing 11 internationals tonight. So let's not get our violins out yet. 
no well no absolutely and and that's the main reason that i give mets a, a puncher's chance in this game because psg just it seems to me like it, it's it's a mess you know there's so many players out there's so many players that are, are now going to face suspensions how how far does this go i mean if, if the they've main got, are... they've got a fun three of icardi Di Maria and Sarabia, who okay has been in terrible form, but Sarabia was was basically they got Marquinhos back. They got Navas back. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I think people are overdoing this. Poor tried. Oh, they down to the bare bones. <laughs> I, I I tried to give I tried to give your boys a chance, but um, fair enough. Even if even if we take that the game aside from from tonight. The, the, where do you see the fallout of, of what's gone on? You know, the, the scenes were... I mean, in terms of the two teams, I hope I hope the authorities throw the book at them. I, I yeah. genuinely think it was an absolute disgrace. And yes, the referee lost control, but these are all highly paid professionals who, mm. um, I think it was dereliction of duty, bringing the game into disrepute, bringing Lee Gann into disrepute. Uh, and what I said, like I said earlier, I think was a sort of potentially actually very important match and sort of window into Liga. So, yeah, I, ho- I hope there's there's serious repercussions. Um, you know, Amavi and Kazawa, you can't act like that. Um, Di Maria, I felt like maybe he sort of aborted the spit halfway through, but still, it's yes. not really an excuse. And I think it's a six-match ban for spitting. I don't know if they've got the authority to lift it, but spitting during the time of COVID. Yeah. You deserve everything you get. Neymar and Navarro, obviously, it depends what is and isn't proven. Um, you know, they're looking into whether Alvaro made any racist comments, mm. but in doing so, now they reckon that at the same time Neymar made homophobic Comment comments. comments. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, you know, the, I think homophobic comments, I don't know. I think racist comments could be up to 10 matches. Um, but also, as usual, I also think both clubs. And I understand, of course, defending your players, but I don't think the clubs before and after acted particularly well, but particularly PSG. And this, I think, is still the problem with that club. They still, you know, yes, they got to the Champions League final. Yes, they've broken this mental barrier of the quarterfinal stage. But remember, everything fell in place for them for this Champions League. And they scraped past that. They didn't have to play uh, second leg. They scraped past Atalanta. Okay, they comfortably beat, uh, you know, Leipzig, who you'd expect them to beat. And yes, they, you know, they really had their chances against Bayern. But, you know, let's be fair, they didn't sort of set the whole world on fire. And a lot of the problems are still there. I'm still not sure Tuchel has got enough control over the team. I still think... I put it on Twitter and the sort of responses I got were kind of 50-50. But I said, has Leonardo actually done anything for the club since he's come back as sporting director? Yes, he's got great hair and a great coat and he looks much suaver than Enrique, but I'm still not sure what he's doing. And for him to come out after the match and just go on a rant about the referee and not acknowledge at all any kind of fault on the part of his players, I think is wrong. And... They still, yes, still fielding 11 internationals tonight. Yes, he's still got those front three. But it's still, for me, very average midfield, very av- pretty average fullback positions, certainly at right back anyway. And that's, I think there's still some endemic problems in that club. But a Champions, one Champions League final, obviously that's a very good start. But 
I can't really see how they're going to emulate that this year with all the other issues that they've got there and the players that they haven't replaced as well. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That's yeah, I guess it would be the obvious elephant in the room. I did, I and did want to, and also, yeah, Tuchel I think is in a very weak position. He's not yeah. Leonardo's man. Leonardo has barely ever sort of given him any kind of vote of confidence, which surely undermines him as well. Um, not surprisingly, the Mbappe leaving rumours started again this week. Yeah, although it won't be Liverpool, by the way, people. just Let's just let's just quash that one right now. He is never signing for Liverpool. Let's move on from that. Sorry, Gary, um. I had to get that in. <laughs> but uh, the, I think the point on Tuchel is, is a really important one. Um, one side note, actually, I, I did think Alessandro Florenzi was terrific, and I think he's a really good piece of business um, for PSG in, in, a, in a rare... A rare moment of, of good business doing by them. I think that's a really good signing if he can stay fit, of course. But there was, um, there was a kind of post-match. It was as chaotic as on the field, as various people were thrown in front of the camera, not knowing what the hell was going to on say. to do a post-match yeah. interview. Um, Ranger managed to do the dullest post-match interview ever, which I thought was which kind of adorable. Um, yeah. Tovin basically came up with a traditional "Will nobody think of the children?" argument. Leonardo <laughs> went went off on one. Tuchel was wearing a face mask, <laughs> presumably, so, so we couldn't see the teeth grinding. But um, We've one been thing... we Lille fans about um, Tovan's great morality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bless him and his cute little voice. But yes, I did think uh, Leonardo was, you know, obviously absolutely spitting himself um, and then had to try to understand Ravanelli speaking French, which wasn't... is difficult and then somehow the geeky guy in the um in the studio managed to get in a question about Florenzi's debut at right back and it was like oh god yes this was actually a football match because that was the first kind of footballing thing that Mm. seemed to have actually come up for ages so I think what I'm concerned about in the fallout is that the actual facts are going to take a backseat to tribalism and we're going to have a situation where people are discussing which is worse spitting racism or homophobia and that's going to be an absolute fucking joy to listen to frankly because and there's going to be so much whataboutery and all of this shit and i just are you beaten at your near post right now (laughs) <laughs> the second the second game in I think it's February is going to be very tasty, um, particularly if fans are allowed back in by then. Oh, I would have uh, thought that you, would be behind closed doors at the best of times. You'd like to, so. yeah, and 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 you can just guarantee that they will draw each other in in the French Cup. Now you can almost be assured that that will happen by some hook or by crook. The only other thing I wanted to mention about this game, and so I was just touching on Tuchel there. I'm amazed at how little pressure he seems to be under. Uh, unless I've been living under a rock, I've, I've seen a couple of people. Julian Ross is quite outspoken about it and saying that his his substitutions are poor, his, his tactical setup is not always the best. Um, I think he's under huge pressure, and there's two reasons I say that. One is, as you made the perfectly good point there, Jez. Yes, they got to the final of the Champions League, and at the time, obviously, we we're all behind them. But you have to look at it in isolation, and, and as you say, look at the the year, the oppositions, etc. Um, the other the other thing that Sort of stands out to me is there's this lingering figure of Maurizio Pochettino in the background and he is obviously staying out of work for a reason and being a well-liked figure in, in Paris and obviously a former player I just feel that that's a marriage that, that is waiting to be consummated and, and 
I just feel like Tuchel is, I feel like he's one big defeat away in terms of, of, of losing his job. And, and that's, you say, may not be Mets tonight. They might go and, you know, fear the backlash, I guess you'd say, Jess. But do you, do you think he's, he's, he's living on a bit of borrowed time now? I'll give that one to you, Jess. Yeah, I don't know about Boris. I mean, Julian Laurent said that he thinks if Mess wins tonight, then he's gone. Um, I'm not, well, <laughs> it's not going to happen anyway. But I, don't, I don't think that's the case. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure that the Champions League final particularly strengthened his position. It felt a little bit... Um, a little bit like... France getting to the final in 2006, that possibly it was more the players getting together and saying, let's do this, rather than Tuchel having that much to do with it. And certainly his, his uh, substitutions in the, in the final, I don't think won too many fans over either. Um, same again this weekend. So I'm just not, yeah, I'm not sure he's ever been, I don't think Leonardo's ever been keen on him. Um, and surely if they'd had a worse Champions League run, he'd have gone. It's hard to sack someone after they finally got their team, got the team mm-hmm. finally into the Champions League final. Yeah. But, I w- yeah, I'm not saying Leonardo's hoping for bad form in order to get rid of him, but I don't think he's going to pass up too many chances. The one thing I'd maybe disagree with you on is that, particularly with Leonardo's obsession with Italy and only seemingly being interested in either players who play in Italy or Brazilians or both, um, I would say um, I would put money on Allegri rather than Pochettino. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's a fair point. I, yeah, uh, I suppose it just depends on how the figures work and and you know availability of what coaches and when. But the, the one that, with Pochettino just strikes me that he doesn't want to manage in. He, he hasn't got the. He didn't want to take the Barcelona job, and I can't see Sudan going anywhere from Real. And they were the two obvious fits. Unless he goes back to Spurs, that'd be quite funny, wouldn't it? But. Um, yeah, I guess I guess time will. I'd, I'd be out. surprised if Sudan ever went to PSG with his Marseille connections. Oh yeah, crikey, I never even thought about that. that slap wrist. Um, one thing's for sure, it's um, it, it was an interesting uh, affair, and and you know that much was talked um, about this game, and much will be talked about in the coming days. And I have we got a title race? I mean, I, I think after two games. People were saying it's like, oh, Marseille six points clear, and I'm like, yeah, but but Marseille are always going to Marseille, you know. Just like PSG Leon, are you know? going to PSG. It, yeah, I don't. It just it, it it stands to make it kind of reasonably interesting and not have them, you know, running away with it that early. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, that does mean that somebody's going to pull themselves together and make a fist of it. Uh, Chris, would that be a segue that you were after? Nicely, yes, yeah, uh, nicely done. Um, let's segue on to, to Leon <laughs> because the, they are the, the second part of, of, of this pod that I wanted to really focus on tonight. Now, before we go into Leon, um, I, I want to praise Montpellier because um, I'm sure you'd want me to, Phil, but I, I just thought I sat back with a completely neutral outlook last night and, you know, I, I sort of have a bit of an affinity for, for uh, quite like. Montpellier in terms of how they play the game and, and you know just the structure and everything behind the club and it I just felt that they they look like a side that you know there's that one team that you don't expect to be quite high up on the table and all of a sudden at Christmas you realise they are and you go actually they're not bad. Mm. I remember when that happened a couple of years ago. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and when you've got a manager like Desiree who wears shoes like those, I mean, the world is your oyster. I mean, they were fantastic. But all jokes aside, they, they won the game 2-1. Sergio Savanier, who I'm developing a huge man crush on, was, was the, uh, the architect with both goals, including a Penenka penalty, which made uh, the players look rather silly. But, um, yeah, I mean, have, have a couple of minutes, if you want, Phil, just to praise my colleagues. They've had a great start to the season, and I just thought they were really good. Yeah, I mean, the, the first game against Rem was, was not good, but the two home games they've now had um, prior to, I mean, obviously this was a catch-up game from OL's Champions League campaign. They actually had, at uh, the weekend, they played Nice, which I was extremely concerned about because Nice had looked very good so far, very clinically efficient. Um, and they actually won that 3-1, although, interestingly, Nice did score with their only shot on target again, yeah, uh, which suggests that they are continuing to do that thing they were doing a couple of seasons ago. But they were, Montpellier were really good to watch. They were fun. Let's very quickly interrupt for mm. Fuka when we're talking about Leon reference with another assist from Guiri again as well. <laughs> I wonder when you get that one in, but yeah, you're right, yeah. Uh so, yeah, Nice, um, I think they, they were pushed back. And the, the fun thing was in that game, uh, Laborde got the first, um, the first with a kind of side-swiped goal. Um, and then it was actually Daniel Congre who got a brace, having not scored at all last season. Towering central defender Daniel Congre got a header from corner and then a kind of pouncing side swipe lash after a corner um so that was uh that was really kind of unexpected but i think merited um and then there was a dante header after that just to make everybody calm down and that was the thing as soon as nice got one back i was like oh crap um but uh Montpellier really sensibly kind of shut the game down at that point. But 21 shots to seven, 13 on target. Walter Benitez did have actually a really good game. Um, and someone else who's been having good games, particularly against OL, is new signing Jonas Omlin, uh, Swiss goalkeeper, who came in to replace uh, the brilliant Geronimo Rulli. Now, I think we're all a bit sad to see Geronimo really go, but the option to buy was 11 million and Montpellier doesn't have 11 million. So instead they picked up this Swiss bloke from Baal for 6 million. It turns out he's been really good. He made so many um, really, really key saves because again, Savania got the double, Montpellier 2-0 two, two up, OL are down to 10 men. And then things started to fall apart a little bit. So Hilton... He turned 43 at the weekend, by the way, so has made records by being the first starter of that age, outfield starter of that age in the top five leagues in Europe. He then proceeded to be the first outfield starter to be booked at that age uh, in the top five leagues in Europe. And I'm presuming also when he got sent off, that was also some form of record. But um, I had a slight problem that I didn't see the first half an hour of this game because Telefoot, the official uh, chain broadcaster of Ligue 1, uh, is shit, uh, and their online app didn't work again. So that's not great. Continue. But yes, they were they they were good. But then it started to look really shaky, and the commentators, by the time I did get the match on, were saying, "If basically OL equalised from here, Montpellier are going to feel like a loss. This is a loss." 
because they were 2-0 up and they were a man up and then they let it get to them. They did look shattered by the end, but they did manage to hold on. And the problem is that OL's match at the weekend on Friday night was the absolutely barnstorming, laugh-a-minute, nail-biting tension of a nil-nil draw away at Bordeaux. It was so, so bad. It was so bad. My, my one note on that game is that Carl Tocquecambi's middle name is Brion, uh, the French word for brilliant. That's when you know you're struggling. And that's, that was the most interesting thing I had about that, that game. Yeah, so. yeah. No, I, I, um, full, full credit, full credit, I thought to Montpellier, you know, you, you can say you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, Jess, that brings me nicely on to you. Uh, I'll give you the first bite at Leon. I got a little bit of hate on Twitter last night. I know. How surprising is that? Because I have the audacity to to uh, suggest that the, the transfer talk about players leaving, in particular Samoa, would intensify after last night. And, and it, for me, it just broadens the um, the focus of, of what's going on at Lyon. Because to me, I, I had a really good conversation with um, the Aussie Lyon chap, who I must look up his name in a minute, and he made some really good points to me last night. I just feel like this Project Lyon are on is going horribly off the rails since the Champions League final because you can only keep bringing through talent and just flogging them off and, and constantly recycling. They're a massive club. I don't understand this desperation to keep shifting their best assets when of all seasons, this is probably the one season they could have challenged PSG. I, I just I don't know where to begin. What, what what's your thoughts? And I thought their performance last night was that of a team that had no structure to it, had no uh, I mean I say no fight. It definitely had that in the end, but it just looked like a team that was wound up and and didn't really know if it was coming or going. Am I being harsh or what? Did how did you see in particular last night's game? I think that there's similarities to PSG in that they had this great Champions League run. Um, they were sort of set up to ride the wave of it and they have I mean if they'd won I think they'd have gone provisional sort of top top of the league for what it's worth but I, I think there's problems there that also stem back from at least a year probably a couple of years um, also involving as far as I'm concerned a very suave looking but useless Brazilian sporting director yeah um, also well, I don't think there's too many comparisons in terms of personality and tactics between the coaches, but also a uh, coach that possibly, well, is being undermined maybe less so by players, but certainly by, by fans. I think there's a lot wrong there. And in turn, I mean, money-wise, I don't know, you know how much sort of... Um, uh, how much they, you know, they really need to sell players. It is just the setup they've always had. I don't have an issue with that because in the past it's worked. But in the past it's worked because they've brought through their youngsters. They've treated their youngsters well, and this and that I think is the difference. Perrier's gone because he got bored waiting of, of becoming a first team regular, um, and I think he scored for Ren already. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think yeah, I think he did. It was the first week or second week. Yeah, I think he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Guiri's gone because he got particularly bored and, you know, even turned down a chance to go on loan in January because he wanted to make a place for himself. He's done everything to, to show that he deserved to be given a place. 
a lot of Leon fans have sort of turned on him and said, well, it's his fault. He's the, you know, we didn't sell him, he forced a departure. But he forced a departure for a reason. And what he's done so far at Nice proves him completely wrong and Leon, sorry, completely right and Leon completely wrong. Mm-hmm. You've got Ren Adelaide, who, that one I understand a little bit. People were uh, sort of saying, well, wind your neck in, you're young, you're new, you've been injured. But I do also think, I understand some of his points, even just after the comeback where Depay was doing absolutely nothing but was a fixture in the first team, Ren Adelaide would come on in these matches, actually make mm. a difference and then be dropped to the bench again. But, and if, if what he's saying is true about promises not being kept, then I get why he wants to leave. I don't think it's a healthy place to be. And, you know, whatever comings and goings there were before, or even, the, you know, the fact that they've been trophy listeners since 2012, it did always seem to be a, a decent, harmonious place to be. Um, you know, you had your, the president had your back, the coach was making sure you were playing good football. Between them, they were making sure youngsters were coming in. They, they had a decent sort of bedrock of French players, whereas again, Janino seems to be turning the whole place into, into Brazil. Um, I think there's lots wrong and I feel like they're really sort of losing their soul. Um, you know, PSG, if you want to be nasty, you can say, well, they sort of sold their soul 12 years ago and, and you know, you, you take the rough with the smooth. But Lyon, I think the P- PSG, yeah, they sold their soul and they got a hell of a lot of money for it. So they're all right. Lyon are doing okay financially, but like most other clubs in France, they need to rely on their soul. They need to rely on the youngsters coming through and, and you know, having Lyon there. Um, you know, they've got a, the, the last two, a few of the recent managers have come through, you know, having coached in the youth ranks, having been players at Lyon. They know what it means to be a Lyonet. But now, okay, Juninho's there, but Garcia's there having spent a lot of his time at Marseille picking fights with Lyon. Florian Maurice has been pushed out, which I think is a massive, massive loss. Um, I just think there's lots of problems there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Just before I uh, pass on to Phil, a slightly different take as well. Um, just your thoughts on, on Hussein Moir in terms of, you know, I, again, I got stick for suggesting that that was a definite red. You know, some people are actually trying to justify the fact that it was a late challenge. I thought it was a clear as red as you can get. I felt like, I mean, he was given the captain's free game and he just lashed out. I mentioned that I didn't actually have access to this game. No, I just, oh, I oh sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no I mean, no. this. I, I am I extremely pissed off about this. Um, I'm going to keep bitching about it until they fix the damn thing. Um, yeah, I think it's it. It is as just says the the soul of OL has always been a really big part of it. The connection between the manager and the fans. We all remember you know, Remy Gard out there with his um, you know special bad guns footwear on when they were banned from an away game uh, away at the derby at Saint Etienne and stuff like that. So uh, it, they, I think they have to be more careful about the optics and the diplomacy than maybe other teams do. But I swear to God, pretty much every tweet I have clicked on this week, anything about French football, usually the Classico, but basically anything else has just got shut about this, mate. Our, 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 it's always, it's just there all the time. So, I mean, I know that's the nature of maybe the English view of the transfer market, but 
it's this conversation is not going away is it so i think it's um it's going to be difficult seeing how this pans out given that the transfer window is kind of um open over so much of the season it is a tricky tricky, uh look you got a view on that jess I've got a view on our, like a red's a red, he deserved a red, but for, sorry, but legions of Arsenal fans to say, oh, well, he got that red because he was going, he's about to join Arsenal. Is oh, no, I think no, that's, no, t- no, that's, that's, that's tongue-in-cheek, yeah. I think anyone who's saying I that... Don't, I'm not sure it is tongue-in-cheek. Cheek. <laughs> anyone who's actually <laughs> saying that, believing it is an absolute, complete moron, I'm just going to put that out there. I mean, uh, uh, speaking as an Arsenal fan, what, what cheeses me off about the whole situation is that you know, when we when we signed Lacazette, for example, it, you know, it's very clear that the player and club had, had sort of got to the stage where he he had outgrown Leon for me. Now, whether Arsenal was an upgrade, you know, you can make your own minds up on that. What I would say right now is is Arsenal is an upgrade in terms of where the two clubs are and where they're heading for for OR. And and it for me, it looks to me like and whether it's Arsenal, Juventus, or Man City, which seems to be the three clubs interested, he walks into all three of those midfields. And he immediately makes them better. And I, and I just felt... Hans Hoyt, he walks into Man City's midfield? Yeah, I think he does. I think he does. I mean, name me a better player that, other than Kevin De Bruyne in Man City's midfield that plays the, that plays Are the role. Are we talking Alan. about the Alwa who turns up once a month or the one who doesn't for three weeks? Yeah, but I, I think that, that's my issue with it. And that, that's why uh, that's my big, my big sort of problem with people that are not yourself. But I mean, there's some people saying, oh, he hasn't done it, he hasn't done this. I feel like he's a player who's who is now at the point where, I wouldn't say being stifled, but he's outgrown Leon. And, and I, I feel like it's probably come a year sooner than maybe we all thought, because I thought he would have been there for two years, like the Fakir situation. But I just feel like, and his performance last night, and this was the point I made in my tweet, he, he just looked like a player who just had a thousand thoughts on his head. And, and yeah, I, well, yeah, but that's not necessarily, with. doesn't necessarily mean he's outgrown Leon. It might mean that he still needs to be at Leon for yeah. another year in a slightly more protected environment rather than and being thrown to the wolves. And that's fair, but, but you, you, can't, you can't do that to a player or you can't say that about a player. And then in literally the week of the start of the season, in fact, I think it was what 40 hours before the start of the season, you've got your CEO and, and your sporting director coming out going, yeah, he's for sale. Like, I, me, I, think oh, you're, right. I think you're defending our like you think he's already an Arsenal player. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely like, not. I just... Leon have basically said, just very quickly, because I should have added it earlier, my big issue with Leon is you saw it the first half against Dijon. You saw it for a lot of the Bordeaux match, actually. They're still playing decent build-up, but they got rid of decent strikers and they yeah. put all their eggs in the Tucker Akambi and Cadawera basket and they're going to seriously suffer because of that. Yeah, but um, as Brion as his name is, he's, and as hard as he works down the channels, he's not good he's enough. He's not that guy, yeah. Um, Leon said they, they are prepared to sell two of Dembele, Awa and Depay. And possibly in any other summer, they could name their price. But Dembele, everyone's gone quiet on. And I think we discussed last week that actually possibly he's maybe not good enough for bigger clubs. Maybe they're thinking, well unless we can guarantee he puts the ball in the net, which is his job, to be fair. He's not doing enough of the other stuff. Depay obviously seems to have set his heart on on Barcelona, but depending on who you believe, it's either imminent or nowhere near because they don't have enough money, Um, which I think is a big problem for clubs around the continent, including Italy. In terms of Awa, 
as far as I know, the only offer that they've had still is um, Gwendouzi in exchange. Now, for all Sorry, the fuss about how much Man City and, and Juventus want him, if that's the only offer that's been made, um, you know, maybe clubs are having second thoughts. And I just, I, it's a bit like the, you know, and we've when, got another month. When Kinchesky signed for Liverpool, and everyone was saying he's not a Liverpool player. Well, he is because Liverpool signed him. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, I don't think you can say Alwar's outgrown. If if Alwar had been spectacular week in week out for three seasons, and then this season he's looked a bit off because he's pushing for a move, fine. But I don't think he's done just because he turns up when the cameras are on and Guardiola's sitting in the opposite bench. Um, you know, three times in the last couple of seasons. That doesn't mean he's outgrown Leon. I think that's really insulting to Leon and frankly giving him a lot more credit than he deserves. He is, I, at his best, if he plays like that all the time, yes, I agree he can walk into any of those teams, including Man City. But as long as he's not showing that anywhere near enough, I don't think it's right to say he's outgrown mm. Leon. You're basically saying the team isn't good enough for him to play at his best every week. And that's not true at yeah. all. I don't think. And those yeah, bigger right. teams, they yeah, they right. demand consistency, don't they? So, no, I, I mean, they, if he's the main playmaker, certainly since Fekir left, um, and the team aren't playing well, you can't say he's not playing well because the team aren't playing well. If he's as great as everyone says, then he should be doing something to make the team play well. Barcelona have been shit for years, but Messi has been hiding it almost single-handedly. I mean, maybe outgrown is the wrong term. You know, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. I, I just, I just feel that he is a player who who is ready to step on, and and I feel like he's. I think he thinks he is, but I'm I'm not absolutely convinced he is. Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose we'll only know if and when he does get the move. That the one thing that I'm I'm not willing to step away from in terms of backing down is Olas and Janino putting. I mean, you know, you're saying one of one of these players is up for sale. If I was a player in a dressing room, especially, you know, in particular, who's obviously come through the, the Leon Academy, and my two power, chief and powers that are coming out above my manager and saying, I'm available for transfer, that is going to affect my mentality, my, potentially my performances, because I'm going to look at it and go, well, I haven't said I want to leave. You know, if, if, if a club comes and, and presents me with a really good offer and I want to consider it, Fair enough. Much the same as Fofana at, at Celestia. But, that, but, but that's, how, that's how Leon works. The Pai mm. said last week that he didn't want to leave. We know yeah. that's bullshit. You're yeah. not going to get any player, particularly Al, someone like Alwa, who's sort of Leon born and bred. You're not going to get him ever out, outright saying, I want to leave my, you know, my hometown club. Mm. Especially if there's a chance that he won't, and he's going to have to sort of face the fans afterwards. But yeah. in France, they've got you know they've got this concept bon de sortie, which basically means like a you know not a free pass, but if the right club comes in with the right amount of money, we will let you go. And Lyon seem to give these kind of bon de sortie to one or two players every summer, and I mm. don't think it's just before the season starts. I think even from the end of last season, it was obvious that Awa would be one of the ones that probably would be allowed to go this summer for the right price. So and for the right price is the very, very key thing. You know, Olas is one of the one of the ones who started uh, the French, the Ligue 1 transfer market being more sensible about pricing when they are being 
ogled by premiership clubs or whatever. Yeah. And so they are very pragmatic about this. They need the money to keep the club running. A couple of years ago, they had to sell somebody in a week. That's how I think Montpellier ended up with someone uh, because they had to sell somebody in a week to, to balance the books to get the budget through because they're a publicly traded company. You know, it's... It's very pragmatic, and being having to balance that pragmatism with the soul issue that Jez was talking about is something I think that must be very difficult. The fans accept it because they understand it allows a degree of independence to remain. But if you push it too far, then they're going to get, you know, shitty about things, and and stuff might start to to get a bit tense. So I do think that the transfer window being open as long as it is although I understand why is just going to exacerbate these problems. Yeah, yeah no, um, I agree with that. Completely. We're going to be halfway to Christmas by the time the thing closes. So, yeah. this is this is not something that's going to be solved quickly by the sound of things. So it could run on and kind of poison the water and poison the air for quite a while yet, which is again worrying. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I never liked this. Well, it affects the player's mentality. Again, I know it's not all about money, but you're professional footballers living the dream and being paid fuckloads to do it. You oh, I'm, I'm not necessarily about the, 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 the effect on the players personally. I'm talking about the, the effect on the team as a collective and kind of the fans looking around going, what the hell's going on here? You know, you could have potentially, you know, uh, a system needing to be rethought mid-season when it's doing well. One of your best players all of a sudden disappears. Somebody just turns up one morning and you're like, what the hell do I do with this person? It's, you know, I just feel that it's difficult enough when it overlaps a couple of weeks. This, I think, is just going to add another level to a situation which is weird and tense at the moment anyway because of the the strange situation we're in this is another element of that that all of this stuff together is just making everyone a bit kind of fretful and disorganized mm. so. yeah players aside i mean i i, I just I, I just hope leon can get their shit together basically because i just feel like of all the seasons this is a season where i'd like to see them kick on and and you know whether that's with or without certain players um and then if they do sell to pie um, which it seems likely, and, and potentially are as well. I do worry about where on earth their sort of goals are coming from beyond that, but uh, I guess we will see. Um, but the, no. the difference is as well that Leon sort of they had their good Champions League run by being the underdog. Yeah, completely and agree. Playing with that. very defensively. Yeah. So, you no know, pressure you know, was nine, off. Nine, 18, 17 or eighteen times out of twenty, and. and mm or out of 19 in league out, they're going to be the team expected to make the run. Yeah, yeah, I agree and with that. And don't entirely seem capable of that. No, uh, when, when the pressure by is the way, on. begs the question of why Guiri does make it, uh, not Guiri, I'm obsessed, Cherky, when he does make a difference when he comes mm. on, mm. why is he always only a sub? And he's yeah. going to be the next one who's going to want to leave because Garcia yeah. isn't treating him like I thought, that. I thought that was a, such a weird decision to have him on the bench last night. Really strange, of all the games. And, and John Lucas came on. And I thought he he performed very well, and I looked at him and thought, why is he not not in in the lineup? And then and Anderson at the back, who struggled all last season, gets a start. Seemingly now will be in the team every week as Marcel's gone. It's it's just a bit of a bit of a weird one. Um, but yeah, Marcel. 
well Premier League wages I think that's probably the key to that one but um, I will just give a shout out to Samuel J the OL fan I'm at OZOL1950 on Twitter who made some really interesting points for me in discussion last night so just give him a little shout out Um, okay before we go we'll just quickly round up the um, weekend's results because we haven't actually done that Uh, Bordeaux Leon on Friday night yeah less said the better that was not uh, a particularly enjoyable spectacle um, but uh, Longfisher only played one again. That's always nice to see. Bless him. Uh, but yeah, on the Saturday, we saw a, a win, a win for Lille against Mets. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, Jez, just how annoyed were you to concede an 88th minute winner? Extremely annoyed, but... Yeah, it again, was coming, wasn't it? Very defensively, so he got all he deserved. I was more annoyed with Andrew Gibney t- tempting fate by when Aralco <laughs> came on. He said, why bring him on? He's not a game winner. <laughs> So as soon as that tweet delivered, I thought, oh, we all know what's... I was so tempted. I thought, shall I put a couple of quid on that? I thought, no, surely not. And then up he popped. Um, slightly fortuitous with the winner, it has to be said. But yeah. And then oh, did the, the multiplex chaos, what was it? Uh, four games, 14 goals, four red cards, one yeah. last minute winner. We've had plenty of red cards um, oh, in, in, in this, it was, uh, this particular round. It has um, been bad, yeah. We, uh, we also saw a win for Angers against, uh, against Rams. Um, two of those red cards in this game. FA's sent off for Rams. Romain Thomas sent off for two buffables. Rykovic saving the penalty yeah. after Feist went off. Yeah. He saved five of the six penalties he's faced last he's season. He's a goalkeeper, I think. I think he was yeah. probably in the team of the year last year. Um, Bahokin got the winner for, for Angers, of course. Who else? Um, a tuna win for Brest against Dijon. Uh, Saleh was sent off for Dijon. Perot with the opener for Brest before... Shit, move on, move on, move on, move on. I, mean, I think we've probably all seen it by now, but uh, <laughs> Irvin, Cardona, or Irvin Cardona going going full Neo from the Matrix, um, scoring with a switch kick. And that is what it is, a switch kick in martial arts. Um, unbelievable. And I know a lot of people sort of said to Esque. I thought it was better than anything yeah, yeah, done. Yeah. To, to hit the ball at that height and to transition his, his footwork but, uh, in it that was, style. I, I thought he kind of jumped and kicked it. I hadn't realised he'd done the switch. It he was like his legs mid, mid, you, yeah, mid-jump. Part of me got the feeling that he jumped in the air and gone, what the fuck am I doing up here? Mm. And, but still managed to get out of it rather than just kind of falling on his ass, uh, mm. which makes it even more wonderful for me. So, yeah. That's yeah, the the brilliant. leap was that. the the leap height was almost like he thought about going for a header and then halfway through gone, nah, I'm gonna gonna volley this. Um and just the goalkeeper's <laughs> reaction as it crashed past him without even seeing it was one of these the hell was I supposed to do with that kind yeah. of expression. And and I hope the push gas award is back this year because that wins it. I mean yep. technically yep. absolutely sensational. What a, what a despite goal. what Martin Keown said and all about Yang scores. Yeah. I mean God bless Martin. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure that one's getting up the there with first me. first match of the season he said you won't see a better goal. See a better goal than that. Yeah. You you gotta love it. Um you certainly will see better goal uh, better goals but uh, not many better than uh, the Medina goal in uh, in Lorient's crushing home, uh, home defeat to Lons. Should we move on? No, I suppose we've got to cover it. A 3-2 win for Lons. Gael Kakusa with the uh, equaliser after Govic had put uh, Lorient in front after probably the longest far wait I've ever seen. Oh, God, it took yeah, about 14 was... weeks to give a goal that was very obviously a goal. Um, yeah, Medina then scored uh, two minutes later to put Lons in front and turn around the game with a rather interesting bicycle kick. 
quite a nice finish. Ganago uh, got his second goal in a week to make it 3-1 before Johan Wisser got a late penalty. Uh, Bade was sent off for Lens late on. But yeah, good result that in the battle of the promoted sides for Lens. Uh, Ren continued to very quietly fly slightly under the radar. Another good win for them. 4-2 away at Nîmes. Uh, two goals for Girassi, the new arrival. Good start for him. Uh, Agard and Aburigo with the late fourth. Uh, replies from Kubas and Fahat for Neem. Entertaining affair, that one. Kubas' goal was brilliant as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, that's a good show, actually. Good show. And, and a very entertaining game. One of those where I sort of was half watching, I, half not. This is where I do love watching the multiplex. Mm. Uh, because even though there was quite a lot going on, so we didn't get to see all of it, um, the fact is you just zip around from red card to penalty to goal to celebration to random VAR fashion yeah. rad. I, I really like that. It's a, it's kind of like the 2020 equivalent of football. Yeah, we don't get that in the UK. We are, I have to rely on a betting app to switch around my games. But, um, but yeah, I managed to, to cover it. I was also kept a close eye on Monaco 2 at North 1 as well. Monaco quite impressive again. Diop with his first league on goal. And, uh, and William Goebbels, as just tweeted, this is not a drill. William Goebbels has scored a goal. Um, slightly fortuitous and then it went in off, off Lafont. But uh, that was the winner after Blast had equalised four minutes earlier for Nantes. And Monaco quietly... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they're back to sort of the the Mbappe, Lamar, Fabinho days, but they have assembled quite a, a cast of interesting. They do appear to signings. be talking to each other. Yeah, the, the and and the lack of atmosphere obviously is doing them. No, no, that was already in place. Sorry, I couldn't resist. But yeah, I mean, they they do look aside that if they can go on a run, I think Kovac is is not a bad coach. He's got a very specific way of coaching. I always felt Bayern Munich was a bit of a high step for him, but I think Monaco maybe might be the right landing landing spot for him. Um, interesting that the goalkeeper making his debut as well, Majeki. Uh, I didn't see whether Leconte uh, was injured. I didn't see how bad an injury that was, but I noticed they brought in Arsenal legend Vito Minone in the week as well. So I don't know whether that Leconte injury is long-term or not. I don't know. Has anyone got any ideas on... Not heard. No, I haven't. I'll have to look into that. But um, he was missing from this game anyway. So, yeah, be interesting to see how Monaco get on this season. Um, and then the final game this week. Uh, in fact, haven't we got we've got one tonight and one tomorrow? If yes, PSG Mets tonight and OM on Thursday. We've also got Europa League second qualifying round on Thursday as Reims go to Servette, who I think are in Switzerland. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, seeking, seeking to qualify for the Europa League. Well, I mean, they're doing it now. I mean, usually Europa League qualifying happens in March for the subsequent yeah, season. So, uh, we've also got uh, European qualifying for the women. They're playing Serbia on Friday and Mass somebody else on Tuesday. Um, and I think the under-21s are playing at some point, but Lekipa stopped actually listing them. So, We'll just see if we can find some results somewhere. So yeah. there's quite a lot going on. Quite a lot going on, yeah. And I would highly recommend, um, particularly if you're in the UK and you can get access to the, the game tomorrow, um, Marseille St Etienne should be, again, I, I say should, but should be a decent watch, I think, in terms of the... Uh, the, the, the games to look out for and, and obviously good luck to you tonight Jez um, I, I do 
much like you, I do fear the backlash slightly. Um, <laughs> We've we, made them angry. Yeah, we, we can, but hope not. Um, and very quickly before we go, the weekend's action, we've got Leon against Nîmes on Friday. Interesting to see what, what Leon turns out for that game. Rolls Bordeaux on Saturday, followed by Rennes Monaco, which does have the look of a watchable game on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, Nice PSG, likewise, Ito. on 12 o'clock. Uh, Brest against Lorient, always worth the watch, obviously. Metz against Rouse. Uh, Montpellier, Angers, Strasbourg, Dijon, Nantes, Saint-Étienne. And of all teams to be live on Sunday night, Marseille. Surprise, surprise, as they host Lille, which in fairness probably is one of the games of the weekend as well. So plenty to keep ourselves uh, fixated on, shall we say. Um, we are going to wrap it up there, though, because uh, as, as per our heated debate on Leon, we probably dragged on a little bit longer than we planned to. But uh, hopefully you've enjoyed. Uh, me and Jazz are going to go and kiss and make up now. We still love each other, I promise. But uh, <laughs> until next week, um, Jazz, as I say, my thoughts are with you for tonight. Um, fingers crossed that Mets can make it another unpleasant rally, rally. If we're still level on points with PSG at the end of the season, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, you've got to take that. Uh, but yeah, that is worth a worth a, a flick on tonight if you've got uh, if you've got access. I think it's eight pm UK time. Which so. you're more likely to have it than I am. I, I will be tuning in. Yeah. Here. Yes, it's, it's that or, or Caraval Cup. I know which one I'm going with. So, um, But yes, uh, until next week, um, thank you very much for listening. As always, we appreciate your support. Without you, it would just be us three talking to each other. Probably still do it, but you know. Um, thank you, Phil, for your time. Thank you. And thank you, Jez. Thank you. And uh, we will be back this time next week, probably, or just before, Roughly. to review all of this week's action. So until then, uh, enjoy your French football. Have a good weekend. And we'll speak to you very soon.